I think that visible leadership is something that we leave to the Richard Bransons of the world, but in actual fact, we can have a piece of that ourselves and, and really be able to um, achieve a lot of short and long-term gains in, in organisations. For so many business leaders today, the simple fear that's holding them back from using video effectively to communicate their message, impact on their audience, or grow their business, comes from the realisation that they often don't know what to say. They're not clear on their message, and therefore the fear wells up inside that they're going to come across as unprofessional or inauthentic. And so what that results in is not taking action and not doing video. So in today's episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, my guest and I shared exactly how to get over that fear of being on camera by nailing your message and becoming more visible as a leader. So keep listening. Here we go. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. So welcome back. This is episode 90 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. And in today's episode, I'm joined by Jenny DeLacy, who describes herself as the visibility coach. She's all about providing the confidence Kickstarter for businesses to successfully implement video communications to grow their people, their profile and their profit, and therefore to become more visible leaders. So Jenny is all about an understanding that targeted communications builds culture and achieves long-term and short-term goals, which really helps businesses attract, connect and convert the right clients and staff. Now, Jenny's had a over 25 year career as a learning and development consultant and change communications expert, creating audience focused programs and powerful presentations to develop people. And today she works as a visibility coach in order to help people use video communication more effectively in an uncomplicated, simple and not scary way. Now I first met Jenny back in Melbourne last year at the Click Engage Convert Conference, which you've heard me mention a few times on this podcast before. And I knew as we clicked on a few things that I just had to bring her onto the podcast to share some of her expertise with you today. So whether you're a leader in an organization yourself, or you work with leaders to help them communicate to their audience, to their people, to their organization, then today's episode is going to be great for you because... Jenny and I unpack some of the skills needed to help people understand how to more confidently communicate their message as a leader and how to use video specifically to more effectively communicate ideas, build relationships and become more visible as a leader within an organisation which is only going to lead to better results. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview now with Jenny DeLacy, the Visibility Coach. Jenny DeLacy, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Ben. 
Yeah, it's really good to have you. Now, we we met first in Melbourne at the Click Engage Convert conference, and it was um, really great to connect on some like-minded things that we do around the world of video and video strategy for our clients. So I wanted to bring you on the show today to specifically talk about your interest around the idea of messaging and visible leadership. But before we kind of dive deeper into that, what's the kind of the backstory or the cliff notes of how Jenny got to where she is today? Mm, um, There's always a potted history, isn't there? Um, My background is actually in learning and development and change communications in corporate um, organisations. And I, about four years ago, decided that I needed to um, leave that environment because they're always full-time hours and always really big contracts and thousands of people and I raise, I have three kids and I thought you know what you've actually got to raise your children at some at some point so I thought <laughs> I would look for other opportunities to work um, use my skills but but actually be able to be a little bit more in my own you know be my own boss sort of thing and so I actually started out in copywriting in the first instance because I could work for learning and development organizations and do websites and things like that but I realized that uh I'm really all about the spoken word and uh, I needed very much to be working with people on crafting their messages and getting them onto onto video in the first instance because to me video is very accessible to to everybody. Um, But I also work with people that are doing, Mm. you know, guest speaking and and those sorts of things. So, yeah, that's that's sort of where I ended up um, doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, and I think, you know, any any of our listeners to the podcast here today would recognize that one of the biggest barriers to doing video and doing video consistently within a corporate or business organization is that that fear around not knowing what to say or potentially saying the wrong thing resulting in them coming across unprofessional or inauthentic or awkward or nervous or all of those kind of things that people fear in a professional sense. So, you know, where where do you see that people, people are most, scared around using video to get their message out there? Mm, There's a few um, answers to that. And I think the two main ones are that we never look and sound the way we actually think we do. And people sometimes get quite a, um, not a shock, but just feel, oh, you know, that's not what I thought I sort of sounded like or looked like. And and so they they then are reluctant to to do it again or to keep going back. And I think that's really sad because we do all get better, to be honest. And nobody really loves how they sound, let's face it. Oh, I haven't met anyone. Everyone that, says, yeah. I hate the way I sound. I know. Yeah, I I've never met anyone that just sort of loves themselves sick um, when, they're, when they've created video content. So that's the first thing that, you know, people are really not looking and sounding the way they thought they, they did. But also there's that reluctance to try and be as much yourself as you can be but the feeling that perhaps you need to be more scripted or more professional. So it sort of turns people into automatons a little bit rather than being themselves. So in the first sort of go through, they're sort of really worrying about being word perfect and, and thinking they've got to nail it the first time. And of course, that's not true. We've all got time to practice and, and, and to sort of settle into our own kind of vibe and our own, our own rhythm in the way that we, we speak on video. And not everybody gives themselves that opportunity, I don't think, which is a shame. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's it's not a natural thing for people to be in front of camera and those that appear natural I think we can all recognize that it's it's a skill that's been practiced it's something that you know the first time anyone people admire on camera the first time those people were on camera I'm, I'm sure they were probably rubbish as well so people need to go easier on themselves I, I absolutely uh, 
you know, recommend that, but how, so how do you work with people to help them? Well, let's unpack first, help them figure out what to say, you know, how to nail their message. What, what's the process you work through with people? So my first sort of question is usually why, what, what is a video, what are videos even for? What are you trying to achieve in your business? And, and that goes back to our similarity around needing a strategy before you sort of get started. And so I call that the profit focus. What's the profit focus of, the, of this content? It, you know, a lot of people have really specific things going on in their business. So let's say they're running an event or they've just written a book or um, they've launched a new product. or So there's quite an obvious outcome that they're looking for. They want people to get to know that particular thing, that outcome, that book, that, that whatever. And so that's the first question. And because of that, we then say, well, who are the clients and the audience that you think are going to resonate with this? And a lot of people have already done their sort of avatar, you know, we've, we've already worked out sort of who our ideal client is and we've done all that work with our marketing gurus possibly. But to take it to a more audience-focused place, I ask that we get into the sort of hearts and minds of the people that we're hoping to impact with our content so that our content is client focused. So we may have a product, a profit focus, but we end up being more client and audience focused by asking questions around what are they experiencing before they get to me and what is my answer to that concern and how do I then turn that into video? What is my answer to that that can then be video content? Um, can I give you an example? Yeah. Um, yeah, please do. I with a client who rang and said that her uh, business coach, I think, had said to her, you need a 10-minute video on your homepage of your website. And I said, okay, so you work with people who have are experiencing massive sleep deprivation because they've got a new baby. She said, yeah, that's right. So we really, I told her a story because I was, <laughs> I was one of those people yeah, and what is the emotion? The most obvious emotion is actual desperation. You are desperately tired and you are desperate for a solution. What is your answer to that solution? If that is a 10-minute video, how well do you think that is actually going to achieve your profit <laughs> focus? And the answer, of course, is it's not. Um, and so we really yeah. thought about if my, my comment as a potential client is, if I don't find a solution to this non-sleeping baby in the next day, I'm actually... I don't actually know how I'm going to make it through the next day. That's how desperate it is. So how, how do we then come up with content that's much shorter, that feels nurturing to me, that I think I've landed in the right place, that you've got an answer for me and that you're available to me? Um, and so she was able then to cut them into much, much smaller little chunks and even the things like the fact she was sitting in an armchair um, with sort of a lamp and a hot drink. So it was a bit more nurturing than perhaps where she was thinking of recording them, which was a bit more office and it just didn't resonate with me and the messages that she needed to say were different and they're always going to be different because the person the human being speaking to the camera is different um, but that's sort of the process that I take people through to start narrowing down what they want to create and then what they want to say. Yeah so let me ask you and and dive in a bit deeper into that specific example because I think it's a really good example to help our listeners understand here the importance of that that audience focus as well as that profit focus in nailing the message because with that client specifically, when you, when you changed the approach that you're encouraging her to take with delivering the message, how did that change the way she felt about her 
confidence in delivering the message? Was there a was there a shift there? Oh, absolutely, because it moved from oh my God, I've got to create a 10 minute video. What a nightmare. I don't even know what that is. It's this big thing. And what am I even going to say? And I can't stand how I sound and, you know, me, 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 and turned it into who are these poor humans who are that desperate that they will do anything, anything at all to find a a solution to getting their bub to go to sleep. And it it really changes people's focus away from themselves and onto their audience and therefore more likely yeah. that the, the script and the, and the words that come out are, are bang on and are personal to me, the person speaking, and not something that we think we have to say. Yeah, I mean, so important and, and that, you know, whether you're talking copywriting or, or script writing or even just messaging in a something like a Facebook Live video, thinking about who it is that you're talking to, I mean... I use this example all the time of, of helping clients, you know, recognize and get over the fear of being on camera is the idea of, you know, think, are you scared of sitting down in front of a, a client and having a one-on-one conversation over a cup of coffee? Chances are you're not. Chances are you're not lost for things to say or fumbling over your words or, or you know, feeling really self-conscious. Probably you're just there to, you know, provide value in a conversation to someone who you want to help, right? And that should be the way that messaging in video is delivered too, right? Is that similar to, to how you approach things? Yeah. So I say if we want to be conversationally confident, there's a few things to do. And the first thing is to be audience focused and not self-driven in your thinking, overthinking it, thinking about yourself, worrying about your nerves, all that sort of, you know, oh my God, is this the right thing to say? If you're focusing on who you're going to speak to and the difference you're going to make to them today in the content that you're sharing, it does shift the confidence level from, oh my God, oh my God, this horrible video thing to, oh, actually there is a human being on the other end of the um, camera who is going to potentially be impacted in a really positive way today. And so I certainly say it's great if you've got someone really specific in mind that you are speaking to. It really does make, it, it shifts. It is a little bit like acting, but it's not. It's more about just convincing your brain that you are speaking to a, a real human being whose name is Jenny, that she's she's got this amazing business but nobody knows who she is and today I'm going to re- make a really big difference um, by giving her some really structured ideas for video content and away we go. It really has made, it, to me, the, the difference between copywriting and and speaking to the camera is that even if I write you the very best sales copy ever, when you open your mouth, you are never going to say the same words as are written on that page. Humans just don't speak the way we write pretty much. So it's sort yeah. of letting people understand that when, if you say it four or five times through, you're probably going to say it not exactly the same way each time. And yet they'll all be just, perf- they'll all be perfectly you. And that that's okay as well. It doesn't have to be word perfect like a robot. Cause that's not how we speak. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about getting that confidence behind what you say so that you, you can just be yourself and not be that automaton. Is that the word that you used before? Mm. Yeah. 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 And I think given that the difference between feeling like you are thinking about what to say next and having an effortless conversationally confident presentation is probably only the difference between one to maybe five go-throughs of that content. So I'll say that again. What that really means is we need to be rehearsing 
because what we do as humans is we, we're conscious of what the words are and then the more we say them and the more we feel what we're trying to get across from, you know, I want you to feel confident so therefore my energy is confident. I want you to feel nurtured, therefore I might be a little um, softer in the way that I, that I speak. If I keep thinking like that, thinking about that, it's never going to sound conversational. So you really do have to let it kind of sink into your your bones and your and your and your brain and you can't do that without hearing the sound of your own voice and getting used to the words that you want to say um, um, on your video. So if the first time I'm saying something is you rolling the camera Ben, well then that's going to be a nightmare or not you rolling the camera but you know what I mean. If you and I were creating content together and I'd never mm. said it before versus yeah. I'd spent some time rehearsing it and really letting the words sink in and deciding how I feel about them. So there's emotion behind my words as well. It makes all the difference to how engaging and how realistically you you are in your videos. Yeah, yeah, it makes such a difference and I've seen it on both sides, um, both in the content that I create but also in the work we do with our clients. So, I mean, that's... If listeners to this podcast take one thing away, that's that's probably a critical thing to take away. So we've unpacked here the your process around helping people nail the message, talking about the why, uh, which is your profit focus, talking about who, which is your audience focus. Are there additional steps there as well? Um, mostly it's trying to decide on the priorities as well. So we've got a lot to say as a general rule. People, once they realise who they're talking to, kind of feel like they've got an unending stream of ideas um, and it's just sort of packaging that in a way that can be most useful for the for the people at the other end that are watching. So it's almost like um, taxonomy, you know, you sort of go, what's the thing that I need to know first? So they're prerequisites in some of this content that would make sense to come out before the other stuff. Um, do I want to do something really quick um, in which case I always recommend just, you know, focus on your frequently asked questions because you already know the answers and they're kind of pretty easy to talk about. And if that then gives you some momentum to do something that's a little more an introduction video where you kind of people feel a bit awkward sometimes. So we don't always do the introduction first. We might leave the intro until after we've got a bit of um, confidence under our belt. And so there's kind of sometimes a way of manipulating what videos you choose to, to record first because it can make a really big difference to again your level of confidence on the camera and um and then how you received at the other end yeah yeah cool really good so you work a lot with specifically with leaders in the corporate space and i'm sure for many people who've worked in corporate land that they understand that there's often some misconceptions around you know, how people should act in that space. Right. And I think people either live into that or sometimes they try and rebel against it, which potentially, uh, you know, is hard for people to do things that, uh, perceived as different within that corporate world. So, um, where, before we get into maybe how you help these corporate leaders be more visible with their leadership, where do you see that so many of them are f currently failing in their communications and the way that they're trying to impact the people around them? Mm. Either they're not doing it at all and delegating it to other people in the business, which I think is a mistake. Yeah. I think there has to be, there really, really has to be visible leadership across multiple 
you know, updates or programs or whatever that are going on in an organisation. And if, when I worked at Telstra many years ago, and there were 10,000 people in that part of the organisation because it was massive back then. This is way before all the downturn and the, and the changes. If that, the managing director of that part of the organisation with 10,000 people was able to get video messaging down to us for our team meetings every week and we were able to feed back into his office to get answers to those questions, we can all do it. Like that is a massive organisation and yet they were nimble enough to be able to do it because he took it on as his responsibility to keep us up to date with what was going on in the organisation. And so delegating it to someone else is one of the biggest mistakes. But I know that CEOs are, you know, they've got a board and they've got shareholders and they've got staff and they've got all these, you know, things they've got, all these people and stakeholders they've got to keep happy. And I think there comes a point where they have to choose to step into the arena a little bit and be the visible person, the one that actually takes leadership and shows people how the values of the organisation play out every day and keeping people up to date but in a conversational kind of way because you know there's always going to be a formal, you know, update on an intranet somewhere anyway. But this is more about, I think, CEOs stepping into that guardianship kind of role and just saying I'm going to make sure that everybody's got what they need from feeling connected, feeling communicated to, etc. because it paves the way for so much goodwill when bigger stuff starts to happen, you know. Um, And I think it's such an easy tool to use in a way that can be rolled out really simply depending on, you know, the tech in the the organisation. So I think that there's that sort of reluctance maybe to step up into that role that perhaps they think it's someone else's job or they think they've got to be a certain level of, I don't know, professionalism compared to like the NAB CEO who used to take selfies with everyone wherever he went. And it became a thing that people wanted to be in those selfies and they wanted to be on the internet where it was a bit like Facebook and people sort of commented and liked and stuff. That was him just being as much himself as he could without, um, yeah, again, stepping on anyone's toes or whatever. He was stepping in and saying, I'm here. I think you're all awesome. Get in a photo with me, (laughs) which I, I always thought was a really good idea. So what would you say to those leaders who potentially fear their own mistakes? So they, you know, are worried about, you know, putting their foot in it or, uh, you know, saying something that the legal department of their organisation will will squash or, you know, uh, basically coming across the wrong way. What would you say to those, those leaders? That's a really good question because when you think, you know, they've got their strategic direction from the board so they know what needs to be rolled out in the organisation and the strategic, you know, direction that the business is going and they're going to head into a different market or they're going to launch a different product or whatever. And my recommendation is each fortnight or week or month, just make sure that you've got a message that can go out. Check it with someone if you have to. These are the four points I'm going to mention I'm just going to chat about them. I'm not giving sort of super detailed information because that's already somewhere else vetted by someone else on their internet, no doubt. But I'm just I'm just going to be conversational, say hi to everybody and say, yeah, look, you will have seen the new website. It is, isn't it amazing? Oh, this group down here in the Melbourne office have done amazing things. Um, let's give them a shout out on socials for being so awesome. So there's a four kind of dot point kind of thing that I would recommend each time that if there is someone that if there's a brand steward or a legal kind of steward that they need to check with, that they give themselves time to get that checked. So they're not overthinking it and worrying about it and therefore not doing it. So there's always a solution. Um, if, you, if, you know, if people are worried about, 
oh, I'm not sure if that's the right message, go and check with the board next time you have a meeting and say, I want to do this thing. And this is the way, you know how I talk, I'm in these board meetings with you guys, it's going to be exactly the same as this. And, and, and just sort of, just get it done. Like don't sort of put roadblocks in the way because all of those things are solvable. The, you know, they can set those things up before they actually do the content and send it out. Yeah. Yeah, good advice. Um, I want to um, kind of pick your brains a bit on a specific issue that we had recently, which I think is really relevant to our conversation here. So we recently um, in our video production company produced a very straightforward talking head video uh, in our studio here of a president of a national organization discussing a merger between his organization and another similar organization. Um, when I say discussing, I mean announcing, sorry. So basically the, the board or whoever it was prepared a merger announcement script, um, which he apparently had read through and approved and was happy to say it on camera. He got in the studio here and we produced the video. We handed it back to them. Uh, you know, everything from a production point of view was perfect. However, overall, he was drastically unhappy with his performance on camera. Now, obviously, we work um, and we're quite skilled at helping people feel comfortable on camera and get the best that we can with the time that we've got with them to do the best they can. However, it was obvious right from the outset for me that he wasn't comfortable with the script and the way it was worded. It wasn't his words. Um, all of those things I'm sure you've seen many times before, but it, let's just paint that picture there that probably other people have come across before, whether they're in video production or not. If you were to take that whole merger announcement thing back to the drawing board with them and do things completely differently for a better outcome, what's the process you would go through with someone? Mm, and so what you saw there is him overthinking a word-for-word -word script when you know that he was actually speaking to human beings, mm -hmm. but he wasn't thinking about the human beings that he was speaking to. That would be the first thing that I would, if I was in a position to give him counsel about that, yeah. I mean, you may, you may not have been, but I know that um, when someone writes a word-for-word -word script, it's almost entirely someone who has never said the words out loud ever. Yeah. And I find that really odd that it's so common that someone will say, oh, so-and-so wrote a script for me, and I say, Tell, say the introduction to me without looking at the words. And they're like, oh, I, you know, I read one the other day that um, the client said, um, if you'd like to avail yourself of this opportunity, and I said, who speaks like that? <laughs> who says that, yep. Who actually says that? She said, oh, it was written by my team in the Philippines. I said, sweetie, I can tell. You, that's not how you speak. So I think if there was any sort of pre-work you could have done with him to say, to be really comfortable with that, with that script, you need to have rehearsed it, you know, several times through before the day, regardless of a teleprompter or whatever, you've still got to know, especially the intro, there's something about the way our brain clicks in once we say the thing that we're going to say at the beginning that seems to get us on a roll to roll into the rest of the script. I don't know whether you've seen that happen, but I know for me and for clients of mine that nailing that first bit seems to really make me relax into the rest of the thing, whatever, you know, the words are. Yeah, well, it's where connection it's, happens, right? Like the connection yeah, exactly, with yeah. the person that you're speaking to, that's where it happens. And if you miss it there, it's, it's going to be missed for the entire piece. 
Mm, and so getting that right and sometimes not even filming that first for that exact reason that you want them to be more comfortable. So it's clear that he had not read it or written it or spoken it before he sat with you, which is, you know, yeah. probably really common. I know a guy who does a lot of local government um, recording in a studio and they're all the same. He said it, it takes them two years to get used to using the teleprompter um, properly. But the other thing that has happened to me recently where we just did a little baby, you know, DIY kind of thing just to get this person started. And she messaged me in the middle of the night. I, I, you know, for real, she messaged me at like 2.40 a.m. or something ridiculous and said, I've changed my mind. I don't want to go through with the project. I thought, well, that's too sad because we've already recorded it and you've paid me as well. And I rang her the next day and I said, when it's the first time you've ever recorded something, it's almost... 95% likely that you won't like it. I don't know why, mm. but it is really common that you will see it and you won't like it. So can we please show it to someone else? Yeah. And and she, I said, because I think you're just having wobbles about it. I don't think there's anything wrong with the script. There is nothing wrong with your presentation. It looks amazing. It could be, you know, if you wanted to pay a videographer, it would be even better. But you've done a really great job. Don't let that be the thing that stops you sending that message out into the world today. Can we show it to someone else? So that would have been the second sort of recommendation I would have said to him. You might think it's sort of bad, but actually could we, could we involve a couple of other stakeholders because it's probably not as bad as you think. Everyone is always their own worst critic for sure. Oh, Totally. And maybe we can set yeah. that up before. Like maybe from now on we should be spending a bit more time at the beginning wording them up about this is really common beforehand, so make sure you do this work and afterwards you probably won't like it and that's kind of common too. And you know what? You've got to rip it off like a Band-Aid because the people at the other end of that merger announcement really need that information. Like yeah. they really need it. It's really important. Um, yeah, it's really a bit of a bum. Did you do it again or what happened? So in this case, they they had uh, both presidents of both sides of the merger uh, record an announcement which was relevant to both audiences. They just went with the other president, basically. Oh. <laughs> so, and I think he was happy with that. Look, I mean, just to, to set it up and clarify uh, the process, like this was literally a phone call the day before saying we need to get this recorded in a studio tomorrow. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's their problem, isn't it? They booked it at yeah. a time and he rocked up and we could do what we could do. So... Um, obviously when we work with clients on a, on a, you know, better term than that, we, uh, we make sure we do that pre-work, but yeah, it was interesting and interesting to get your uh, feedback on, on that approach. I think there's a lot that people can take from that. Um, if you were working with particularly a corporate leader, um, you know, maybe it's the president of a national organization like this. Um, and maybe it's not specifically about a teleprompt studio type announcement, but, anything to do with delivering their message on camera. Can you share with us some of your, some of your key tips for helping them deliver their message confidently on camera? You've already talked about, um, you know, making sure the message is right. So we'll assume the message is right. Um, but what are some tips to actually being more confident on a camera? Mm, it just really takes practice. You know, everyone gets better. That is my absolute mantra. I say it all the time everyone gets better and yeah. so you have to you actually have to start because you're never going to get better at the thing and more comfortable until you're doing the thing <laughs> and so um, my recommendation at the beginning was to just use the loom 
um, Chrome extension, record it on your laptop with the you know webcam that the IT guys gave to him, and send it out on Slack. Everyone on the in that organisation has a Slack. Um, they're all in the same Slack channel. Just send that little video out on a Friday afternoon and say, guys, I've been thinking about this all week. We've had a huge week. This has happened. This has happened. Um, so and so did this. You know, just send it out. And next time you do it, it'll be easier. Or record several in a row so that you're kind of on a roll and you feel like, okay, I've just done four, and so that's going to be enough for the rest of the month, um, uh, you know, aside from other, uh, other things happening and you're wanting to make different announcements. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things that takes practice. It takes getting out of your own head and thinking about the audience you are speaking to and being able to kind of visualise that they are really listening and they are there and they need what, what it is you've got to say, um, and perhaps get somehow getting on a roll and getting used to sounding, hearing the sound of your own voice, but getting used to using whatever the technology is, um, sometimes batching will help with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you're bang on there that it, there really is no magic bullet. You know, that it, it's not something that comes naturally to people and those that it comes more naturally to, you know, there's nothing you can really do to, to influence that. Um, yeah, but understanding that, uh, you know, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get, the less fearful you are, which makes it more natural and therefore uh, easier to do. It's kind of a, a cycle, right? It's just the more you do it, the easier it gets and therefore the better you get um, and the more comfortable exactly. you get. Yeah. And let's imagine just for a second that the turnover in an organisation is really high. And one of the things that keeps coming back time and time again from the staff is that we never hear from our CEO or we feel really disconnected from our leadership or we're not getting any communication about what's going on in the business and, and people are leaving and people are not being attracted to that business that the business needs. And so that compounds the turnover problem. And all of a sudden there's a CEO saying, I just can't make myself do this I'm so uncomfortable it's like well which one's worse mate <laughs> which yeah. one's actually worse one where I promise you it, it does absolutely get easier and better every there is no doubt in my mind I've never seen anyone get worse or continuing down the path of a nightmare staff turnover that make the board and the shareholders really grumpy and are affecting real genuinely real life human beings who are you know coming to work every day and not getting what they need to give the best that they can give to the organization so the, the opportunity cost for not doing it is so high that I really think everyone's sort of got to get over their sort of discomfort a little bit because we always feel uncomfortable at something. You know, we're never, we're never in our comfort zone 100% of the time, are we? No, absolutely. The, um, let's, let's just wrap things up here because I think this has been a really useful conversation um, for, to hopefully help people just get out there and, and become more visible in their organisation as, as leaders and, You've, you've referred to this idea of visible leadership a few times here. Can, can you just maybe just sum up for us why you feel this is so important uh, for, for leaders to be visible in their organisation? Mm, I feel really passionate about it because when I see in the newsfeed on LinkedIn leaders that are so visible, like the, um, the chairman of, of Qantas was really visible last year and Mark Burris is always out there and we know what he stands for. And, and I think that sometimes when leaders, CEOs in particular, that have been charged with um, getting new markets, emerging markets by their, by their board and new, let's say they're looking for corporate clients, corporate clients that see no visibility in the CEO, they don't know who the dude is, they don't know what he stands for, they can't prove any level of the client says that the values of this organisation are A, B and C, but we never see that from him. We haven't, 
there's no evidence of thought leadership in um, social media, in LinkedIn, on their website or in their organisation. And so I just really believe that it's a simple tool. Being a visible leader means that you are, you stand up for the values of the organisation and it means that you're going to attract and connect with and convert the right clients and the right staff. Because I don't know about you, Ben, but when I've looked for roles over the last, you know, however many years, I always check the company on LinkedIn. I always try and see who the leaders are and what sort of leadership team they've got. Like, do they look like good people? What are they like? Do I want to work there? And so it has so many dividends. I just, I think that visible leadership is something that we leave to the Richard Bransons of the world, but in actual fact, we can have a piece of that ourselves and and really be able to um, achieve a lot of short and long-term gains in, in organisations. Yeah, and obviously video is is one of the important tools to embrace to become more visible in an organisation, mm, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it can be, you know, as seri- you know, seriously done as you like. Get, a, get Ben in there to, to create a whole bunch of really awesome stuff that rolls out or it could be really simple um, messaging every month or something that, that is just raw and not necessarily going out to the public. You know, it could just be internal comms or it could be external. Completely depends. But I think it's just so accessible now that, it, that we're mad not to make better use of it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I think that's a good place to uh, to end this conversation. So Jenny DeLacy, you are the visibility coach. Uh, Thevisibilitycoach.com.au, I believe, is your website. But where's the best place for people to connect with you and, and learn more from you? Oh, I'd love to... Um, make really good connections on LinkedIn. I think that it's a platform that's crying out for, for good content and good connections. It's a good way, good place to have conversations as well. And um, so, yeah, more than happy for people to, to uh, reach out there and send connection requests. Excellent. So we'll have all the links to Jenny and and everything she's got going on, including her LinkedIn profile over on the show notes page at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 90 coming up to episode 100. Where's that time gone, Jenny? It's been fun talking to you today um, and uh, we'll definitely stay connected and um, you know, good luck with everything that you're doing, helping people become more visible in their leadership. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben. So thanks again to Jenny for joining me on the Engage Video Marketing Podcast today. Now, I know you're listening to this show, so I wanted to reiterate my thanks and uh, for everything that you shared today. Now, if you did get some value from Jenny today, I want you to take that action, reach out to her and connect with her on LinkedIn and let her know, let her know that you listened to the show. And of course, if you did enjoy this show, I'd love a rating and review over on iTunes. It really helps me stay fired up and motivated to keep bringing this content to you each and every week. Now we are nearing on to episode 100. So if you have any great ideas about what I should be doing to celebrate 100 episodes of this podcast, I'd really love to hear from you. Uh, So that's coming up in obviously about 10 weeks time. So if you can reach out to me, podcast at engagevideomarketing.com and let me know your thoughts or any future guests that you want to hear from on this podcast. So if you've listened all the way to the end of this show, 
I appreciate you. Thank you for listening and for being part of the Engage Video Marketing community. It really means a lot to me. Once again, I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective online video. So let's do this together and join me again next week for another episode of the podcast as we head on towards episode 100 and next week's episode 91. So until then, take care. I'll be back with you then. Bye. Hey, Ben here. I just want to take a moment to help you out with something. If you, like many of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast listeners, are looking for ways to do video for your business better, then keep listening. I've put together a free foundations video course designed to help you better understand the fundamentals of effective online video strategy for your brand or business. The three-part video series will step you through the roadmap to ensuring you know what videos to make and why so you can get started the right way with video for your business. To jump in right now for free, head on over to engagevideomarketing.com foundations. I can't wait to see you there.